This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have it. Today, we are talking about pizza rolls. It's episode 601. Yes. Uh, if you were listening last week, we recorded episode 600 while drinking some delicious champagne, which now we are going to pour ourselves another glass of to enjoy with pizza rolls. Yeah. So, uh, Molly, do you have any pizza rolls memory? Should we define what these things are before? Or does everyone know? Uh, I think we should define okay. it. So pizza rolls are also called pizza snack rolls, pizza bites. You may have just heard of them as Totino's pizza rolls. Yeah. Uh, We're talking here about a frozen food product that consists of like bite-sized breaded pizza pockets with tomato sauce on the inside and, well, at least what Wikipedia describes as imitation cheese. Oh, wow. And then various (laughs) pizza toppings. I I think of it as like dangerously hot goo. Okay. And you know what's weird is that I think, if I'm remembering correctly, when when I went to the Wikipedia page for pizza rolls, the picture that it had was of these things that look like little like spirals as though mm. it was like a, a Swiss cake roll. I would was call then... those pizza pinwheels, which is a recipe that I used to make. Ah, OK. OK. Um, um, but no, these, these are like little tiny pockets. pockets. Yeah. And yeah, they're designed to be microwaved or warmed in the oven. How are these different from hot pockets? So a hot pocket is like a single serving, like large pocket. Like a calzone. Like a cal- uh, a, but a calzone, calzone is like folded over. Okay. But but it definitely like inspired by a calzone. Okay. Um and these <laughs> these are meant to be like, you know, a, a like bite-sized snack food that you like keep reaching for. Okay. And eat them until you have regrets. Then I've never eaten these. Okay. I'm excited. I haven't had these in quite a while. When I was a kid, they were called Gino's Pizza Rolls. They're now Totino's Pizza Rolls. And there are are some like knockoffs, but I just got the Totino's. Great. These were a highly desired snack food when I was a kid. Like if you could get your parents to buy them or if you could go to a friend's house who had them, you hit the jackpot. And would you just call them like, do you have any Gino's? 
or would you call them like Gino's pizza rolls? I feel like we just called them pizza rolls. Pizza rolls. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah, but like every kid wanted these. Well, I guess I wasn't every kid, Matthew. Well, I mean, every kid in my school. Okay. I was too busy having pizza bagels. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- I think bagel bites started around the same time mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Those are also right. good. So Matthew, I did the research on this episode and I really had a great time getting to know the man behind Gino's pizza rolls. I'm so glad I didn't know. I didn't know there was going to be interesting corporate history on this, but I kind of guessed there would be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. And, you know, hopefully Gino will make an appearance today the way that Mrs. Cubison mm. did in the uh, the old uh, like bread, I bread feel cubes like... croutons episode. Oh, no, no. We called it old bread cubes. <laughs> Like, we never said the word crouton on that episode. People were very confused. We had to take the episode down. Um, Old bread cubes. (laughs) Old bread cubes. Um, That's what I called my grandfather. I feel like, but you're you're like baiting me to do it an Italian accent, which a I want a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna need you to maybe speak for Gino here okay, in I'll a little for, while. I'll speak for Gino. Okay, all right. So uh, here's the deal. So these days, the the words pizza rolls put together are trademarked by General Mills. Okay. Okay. Pizza rolls were created in Duluth, Minnesota. All right. Okay. Yeah. Hot of Italian food. <laughs> by food industry entrepreneur Gino Paolucci. Okay. Do you think I'm pronouncing that right? I like it. Okay. Who specialized in canned and frozen Chinese food. Okay. Okay. And we're going to talk more about him in a minute. I'm going to give you like the flyover of the pizza roll. Then we'll come back to Gino. So Gino's began using the pizza rolls trademark in 1967. Then in 1985, he sold Gino's to Pillsbury, which owned Totino's Pizza. Okay. And in 1993, the rolls were rebranded as Totino's. Yeah, I kind so, of remember this happening. Yeah, you would have been like 18. Yeah, no, right? it was it was pretty pivotal for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Did you feel like lost? Yeah, no, I was like, I was standing there in my grocer's freezer case, like just just saying, Gino, Gino, <laughs> mm-hmm. like like I was calling for Beetlejuice. Yes. So so Pillsbury then sold to General Mills in Remember 2001. When, um, <laughs> when Beetlejuice had to be rebranded to Beetle Drink because they said there wasn't enough actual Beetles in it. <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Okay. Anyway, uh, but like here's something that's interesting. So after selling Gino's to Pillsbury, Mr. Paolucci, aka Gino, founded. Luigi's. Okay. And also started the Michelinas brand of Italian foods. I loved Michelinas. Yes. I ate so many of them. My childhood friend Jennifer, if you opened their freezer where my family had like Stouffer's turkey tetrazzini. <laughs> you had turkey tetrazzini? I had turkey tetrazzini. <laughs> no, my family had Stouffer's turkey tetrazzini. Jennifer's family had Michelinas fettuccine Alfredo. Absolutely. Stacked, stacked. Stack. I love this Michelinas penne, like penne with sausage that uh, the penne were like little like half length penne. Like so, so you could eat, with, eat it with a spoon. It was great. Michelinas was named after Gino's mother. OK. OK. Michelina Paolucci. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So here's the real fun. We're going to go deep on on Gino. All right. Okay. So the, the are we going to real... go deep into Gino like the time we went in, inside uh, uh, Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid? Yeah. <laughs> I love that we're referencing a movie that is literally 35 years old. 
That was not a successful no, movie. No, it was not, but we clearly both, like, it made an impression. I mean, it made so much an impression that we misremembered it as someone going inside Dennis Quaid when actually Dennis Quaid went inside Barton Shore. Oh. Is that right? I think so. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah, we should okay. wa- we should watch that yeah, movie. Because yeah, Martin Short is the more like comedic actor, so you can imagine him like freaking out as this thing, as this little tiny nano ship is bouncing that is around exactly in what him. Happened. But oh yeah, they should have done it the other way around. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go inside Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I bet. I mean, when he was younger. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, let's let's go deep on Luigino Gino, as he's known. Okay. Francesco Paolucci. Gino started over 70 companies. That's wow. seven zero. Among the best known being Bellicio Food, which used to be called Michelinas. Okay. Uh, his pizza rolls product. And then also the Chun King line of Chinese food. Oh, I remember the Chun King Chinese food so well because this was a thing that like, like it was sold in like canned, yep. right? Yep. And like, I remember asking my mom, can we get that? And she's like, you are not going to like that. And I think she was right. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk more about that in just a second. So uh, Gino was born in 1918 in the mining town of Aurora, Minnesota. Oh, okay. And he described himself as a peddler from the Iron Range. What does... Okay. Like selling things, peddling okay. things, yeah, yeah. I guess. And, and the Iron Range is like where they mined iron, I guess? Yeah, okay. I think so. So his parents' names were Ettore and Michelina, and they had recently immigrated from a small village in the Marche region of Italy. And his dad was a miner in one of the, you know, the iron mines near Aurora, yeah, Minnesota. Not a peddler, an actual miner. That's correct. His mother, Michelina, ran a small grocery store out of the family home. Oh, so she was a peddler. She was a peddler <laughs> during Prohibition. She sold bootlegged wine and also ran an illegal bar. Oh, if only there was like a cool word for an illegal bar. Yeah. Okay, listeners, listeners, see if you can come up with one. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, Michalina was, I mean, truly a legend in her time. Sounds like it. So according to his obituary, which I found, Gino... (laughs) Do you want a medal? (laughs) Uh, Gino uh, began his career in the food business at age 16, and here's how it happened. Okay. So one day, the refrigerator unit in the store malfunctioned functioned and 18 crates of bananas were exposed to ammonia fumes okay okay the store owner unclear if this is michelina or who but (laughs) the store owner considered the fruit ruined because the skin of the bananas had changed color but gino was like hey i think that we could charge more for this and call it an argentine banana okay so apparently what he shouted to passers-by was get your Argentine bananas. You may not have another chances. Okay, get Which your apparently bananas. You may rhymed. not have another chances. Okay, but yeah, you got to say bananas. It like bananas, chances, and then it still doesn't rhyme. Okay, he sold out in three hours. Okay, a couple of questions about okay. this. Okay, what color did they turn? Do you think it was just like brown? I think brown? they would ripen. Yeah, okay. I think that the skin would turn brown right away. Were they safe to eat? And like, did he well, know whether they were safe to eat? I don't eat? think he did. Okay. <laughs> according to, this would have been like 1934. According to his obituary, the bananas were harmless. Oh, okay. Because nobody died. <laughs> well, I mean, he did. He did, but many years later. <laughs> okay. All right. So then in the 1940s, he developed the Chun King line of canned Chinese food products. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. sorry. Now I'm imagining like him on the phone with like the obituary editor at, yeah. the, at the paper. Yeah. Like, be sure and put in there that those bananas were harmless. They're like, who, aren't you dead? <laughs> 
So uh, according to the 1972 book, The Very, Very Rich and How They Got That Way by Max Gunther, okay. Paolucci said he started the company. I have some guesses. Because while he loved Chinese food, he found it too bland. Oh, God. And thought it would benefit from a little Italian spicing. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Oh, Gino Paolucci. Okay, so here's the story. Uh, this is verbatim from his obituary. After making a batch and canning it, he took some samples to a supermarket executive to convince him to try it out and to persuade him to stock it. On opening the can, Paolucci found to his horror that the top of the can's contents included a whole cooked grass. <laughs> Fortunately, the can had been opened in such a way that the lid was facing the executive so that only Paolucci could see the contents. Thinking quickly, Paolucci told the executive, this looks so good, I'm going to taste it myself. Then he took one of two spoons that were lying on the table, reached into the can, quickly dug out a heaping spoonful, which included the grasshopper, and ate it. Wow. He then offered the can to the executive who sampled a separate spoonful, liked it, and placed a large order. This says just uh, so much about Gino Paolucci. His version of Chinese food, I mean, we should put, you know, real quotes around Chinese food here. Not air quotes, real quotes. Real quotes. His version of Chinese food was heavily modified, obviously, to cater to the food preferences of the European immigrants in his area and also to Americans of similar ethnic origins. And he did this, of course, by adding Italian spices. I have, I mean, like, do you, th- is this like oregano I was just in chop suey or like? I don't know. Could you please grab a couple of napkins? Oh, oh I'll get this, I'll get more champagne this too. This looks like an injury waiting to happen. Oh, these, I bet this plate of, of the, this plate of Totino's. And they still rolls. they still leak out the side just like they did when I was a kid. So Chun King became so successful selling like canned chow mein and chop suey that Gerald Ford, when president, quipped, what could be more American than a business built on a good Italian recipe for chop suey? (laughs) Gino sold Chun King to the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company. (laughs) This all just really comes full circle in 1966 for $63 million dollars. This is a real American story. Right? Yeah, there's there's like uh, vertical integration in the food industry. There's like food safety, like like you know, papering over food safety issues. There's casual racism. There's like That's right. this is this is like America in a can it's with a grasshopper. Okay, yeah. so we've got we got uh, pepperoni over here and combination over here. Oh. Is it hot? Oh, so hot. <laughs> yeah. No, th- that's kind of what, that's one of the main things I remember about these is that. How are you supposed to eat these? Like, they will burn your mouth so hard. I mean, you c- we can, like, wait till they cool down a little, but I'm so hungry. Okay, so here's the Chun King origin story. Um, D- did he ever try and market, like, a canned scallion pancake? Oh, God. Okay, but no, get this. It, this just gets weirder. Okay, so, so here's the origin story of, of, of the Chun King brand. While working as a traveling garlic salesman, (laughs) Gino came across a Japanese community in Minneapolis that grew bean sprouts indoors in hydroponic gardens. He was fascinated with the fact that they could grow year-round despite the harsh winters there in Minnesota, and he began cultivating his own stock and selling the sprouts to restaurants as a salad ingredient. Uh, And when he was doing this, you know, passing through town, selling his bean sprouts, He saw that a lot of Chinese restaurants were doing, you know, takeout, but that grocery stores didn't offer, like, prepared Chinese dishes. Okay. 
He says the food industry was missing the boat, allowing restaurants to handle all the take home business. He once said he came up with his own chop suey recipe by canning his sprouts and adding bits of celery, pimentos and an Italian herb mixture suggested by his mother. That sounds dire. Uh Uh-huh. In 1947, he was loaned $2,500 by a friend and he started Chun King. And uh, beginning in 1960, he hired the radio comedian Stan Freeberg to host the Chun King Chow Mein Hour. Who's your favorite radio comedian? (laughs) In honor of Chinese New Year, Freeberg interspersed his broadcast with commercials featuring the Chun Kingston Trio and folk songs such as Oh Handle Me Down My Walking Chow Main. I don't even get the joke. I don't either. Some of Mr. Paolucci's critics claimed he was capitalizing on Chinese heritage through his outsized promotion of the holiday. No, you think? That's crazy oh, talk. Oh, weird. In one stunt, Mr. Paolucci hauled, you know, our, our radio comedian down La Cienega Boulevard in Los Angeles in a rickshaw. This is all perfect. This is... This is all totally unproblematic. It's horrifying. Uh, Gino was uh, featured in the TV show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And um, do you do you want to uh, read a little bit about mm-hmm. where the pizza rolls came from? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is whole heat. Oh, but it's good. So hot. Pretty good, though. Really good. Okay. So back to the pizza rolls. According to the obituary, this must have been a long obituary. So what I also want to say is in the obituary, there was this thing about, like, Stan Freeberg and... <laughs> capitalizing on Chinese heritage. Stan Freeberg called up the the, uh, obituary desk at the the paper like, put me in there. Put me in all the obituaries. (laughs) I'm I'm a radio comedian. I'm also also now a telephone comedian. I really like the champagne with the pizza rolls. I I knew it was going to be good. Oh, this is this is great. Oh, we are living. This is this is fantastic. Okay. All right, go on. So tell us tell us how the pizza rolls came to be. Okay, so quote, using a machine he invented to prepare chunking egg rolls, Mr. Paolucci replaced the innards of the Chinese hors d'oeuvre with traditional pizza toppings. And you know, you can see it's got like the bubbles of like, you know, An a, a thick like American Chinese American style egg roll wrapper. Yep. Not a bad idea, honestly. Apparently, after he sold the brand to uh to Pillsbury in what, like 1985 or something, I think I said. He was quoted as saying, I should have kept the pizza roll. It's something that'll damn near live forever. Gino, however, did not live forever. (laughs) He died in 2011 at the age of 93. That's right. How many pizza rolls do you think he ate per day Mm. on average? Because one thing, one thing I noticed is that when I was a kid, the Geno's Pizza Rolls would come in like a cardboard box, and there would be maybe like 20 of them in there. The smallest size you can buy now is 50. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. And they had a much larger bag also. So I bought 100 of these things just so we could try two different flavors, which taste the same. They do. They taste exactly the same. Apparently, he, he at one point, this is before he died, visited his ancestors' village in Italy where he paid for new bells to be installed in a church. And and he told the Washington Post in 1978, they're the biggest damn things in the world. The people there are still mad at me. It's impossible to sleep very late in the morning. And this Does was this... also quoted in his obituary. Do you get the sense that he's kind of like a Donald Trump like figure? A little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's a wreck. Yeah. This guy. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen, 
Uh, they've got – you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. Uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took... Took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator, yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like the art of making Has people feel to things. This? To, to teach me? Yeah. Yeah, because, because I've got a master class subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolengi, you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're they're. They're on Masterclass. Yes. But private lessons from these people. Odalenghi doesn't come to your house, but virtually he does. That's right. So Masterclass makes all of this possible, and you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. You know what? I think I prefer the pepperoni ones. Mm -hmm. I don't like the taste of the sausage in the combo. What do you think? I think the pepperoni ones got crispier also. Mm. So um, Totina's Pizza Rolls obviously have been around forever. In 2015, they apparently got a real boost from a Saturday Night Live skit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real like satire on the uh, the tradition of uh, American uh, football watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you, really, you really said that like an anthropologist <laughs> who just arrived from Venus. <laughs> Well, I am for, I am a woman. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm men, a are woman. For, men are from Mars, etc. Anyway, but I think we should watch the skits so that we can talk about them. Okay. And you have to see the first one before we can watch the second one because okay, there was I've, a second I've one. I've seen all of these before. No, you've seen them. Yeah. They're, Shit. Like they're very very popular sketches. Really? But but I, I'm happy to watch them again. Why? You moved the pizza rolls really far away. Hold on. So you've seen the Kristen Stewart one too? Yeah, it's hilarious. Oh God. Do, do you still want to watch them? Uh, no, I guess we don't have to. Okay. Uh, what I really like about the, I mean, they're like so random. I mean, the fact that yes. they involve Totino's really, it has nothing to do. It's a fake Totino's ad. Right. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Sure. Like the gist of the, uh, I mean, just just go watch them. We'll we'll link to them. But like the idea is like there's a bunch of dudes on the couch watching the game and like uh, calling for like the uh, women in the kitchen to bring them more Totinos. Mm-hmm. Um, then things happen from there. Mm-hmm. I, anyway. I, I wonder what, uh, no, I guess this happened after, uh, after Gino Paolucci died. Because I would have liked to get his take. Yeah. Unfortunately, he did not live to see um, his pizza rolls inspire a love affair between mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart and Vanessa Bayer. She says it so many times. Too. <laughs> my hungry guys. It just makes your skin crawl. I know. It's, it's so well done. OK. Uh, anyway, now we've eaten some pizza rolls. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad we did. I'm going to continue eating them. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep eating them, too, but I'm kind of, I mean, they're tasty, but they're, like, not as tasty as I want them to be. Sure. But it really does taste like an egg roll, like an Americanized egg roll skin. I wanted there to be, like, a spicy one, which mm. I didn't see at Safeway. Okay. Is there anything else we should say? No, I think, I think... Uh, I'm still I'm still recovering from like all of the all of the things that I learned from the obituary of Gino Paolucci. Yeah. Yeah. What what paper did this obituary run in? I want to say the Washington Post. OK. Do you I think it's remember. Too, exactly. Do you think it's too late to like call and get them to put more stuff in? <laughs> Maybe yeah, just a little bit. Matthew. Hey, we've got some spilled mail this week. Yes. And it's from listener Audra. Hey, Molly. Hey, Matthew. Greetings from the heart of Molly's old stomping grounds. This is longtime listener Audra in Oklahoma City. My kids go to Cassidy. I live across the street from the people who used to own Crescent Market. Uh, and some of my good friends live in Molly's old house on Elmhurst. What? Uh, uh, I think I think uh, listener Audra is trying to, like, take your life. I, th- I, I feel. But your old life. My old life. It's fine. You can have it. Um, okay, wait. Quest- question for you, listener Audra, before we even get to your question. Do the people who used to own Crescent Market have the suit of armor in their house? Oh, good question. Or like on their lawn. Also, how did you know that was my old house? Mm, Does it have a sign a outside? Question. Like Host Molly lived here? Like a plaque? Like 1993 to 1997? <laughs> okay. This, yeah, that's a good question. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's spilled mail. It's now, the, it's now the segment where we ask listeners questions. <laughs> okay. Here's my question. What does food service look like in your homes? That is to say, who serves up dinner? Do you put food in serving bowls on the table, or does everyone just help themselves from the pots and pans on the stove? Do you ever set up a buffet in the kitchen, or is that something that only happens when you have company? Do you ever wait on your spouses, like on date night or on their birthday? You guys are the reason I look forward to Thursdays. Oh, I really this like this question. question. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the one who serves up dinner. Whoever makes dinner serves dinner. Mm -hmm. We don't tend to plate dinner at our house. We tend to, like, you serve yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we sort of put the pots and pans on the kitchen table. And I have a couple trivets for that purpose. Yep. I also will occasionally set up a little buffet, like, next to the stove, yeah. No, I, I don't know how I make the decision between the two. If Okay, if there's something that is like on a sheet pan, like if I've roasted broccoli. Sure, one of the sheet pan suppers. I will transfer that into a serving bowl. Okay. For sure. So that I can put it on the table because I don't ever, I don't ever like put a sheet pan on the table. Like who can do mm, that? No, I don't. I don't either. Um, 
But yeah, I would say in general, I'm like 50-50 on whether I plate things or serve them out of the the Dutch oven or saucepan or whatever. Yeah, I think I would say all the same things you just said. But like I have one one thing to add and also one question for you. Um, a question for you is, is there a thing that you always say when dinner is ready to like call the family to the table? No, I always say, no. I always say, OK, so I used to always say please to the table, which is a title of an Anya von Bremsen Russian cookbook. Uh, but then uh, like people got annoyed with that because it's annoying. Um, and so now I say, please come to the table. OK, I wow, that's so direct. I think I take a more um, passive approach and okay. say dinner is ready. And then I proceed to get mad when people don't come to the table. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to answer the question, do you ever wait on your spouse like on a date night or their birthday? No. Um, my spouse, no. my spouse likes to serve themselves, mm-hmm. and I mean, and that's not a knock against spouses who like who who don't. No, if you like <laughs> breakfast in bed, you're a garbage person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, both my spouse and I, I think, are pretty particular about the way we like our food or sure, you know what I mean? So it would never occur to me to plate something for my spouse or to serve them something without asking them if they wanted it. Yeah. So, you know, I will we'll often have like something on rice and people will, like serve their own rice out of the rice cooker. And yep. then and then like the uh, okazu or topping is at the table. And uh, like if we're doing like something with a bunch of a bunch of elements like uh, tacos or burritos, mm. uh, which we will always call taco supreme or burrito supreme, <laughs> regardless of how supreme or not supreme it is. I'll put that stuff like on the like the little breakfast bar behind the sink usually. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I have to say is like something that's started during the pandemic and has stuck around is that we usually eat dinner in front of the TV. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's great. We began doing that a lot more during the pandemic. I would say Ash and I tend to do that a lot when June isn't home. When June is home, we our whole evening just kind of gets shortened because mm-hmm. now June has like after school things that they do. And then we're trying to get them in bed at a decent time. So we tend to not watch TV on the nights we have June. Yeah, but Ash and I do love to eat in front of a show. Another yeah. thing Ash and I love is to play Bananagrams while eating. Wow, you don't get like sauce on them? No, but and this is another thing that can really, it can also, I tend to be a really fast eater. Mm-hmm. And eating Bananagrams is really nice because... <laughs> I mean, like, no, no. If your if your bananagrams get exposed to ammonia, it's okay to eat them. <laughs> I learned this. I learned this from reading from reading the obituary section, which is where I, I get all of my health news. Anyway, bananagrams is really nice because. Uh, it, it slows me down. Like, you know, I'm playing at the same time that I'm eating okay, and yeah. Ash and I are kind of, we're very well matched at Bananagrams and we both, I would say, put equal value on speed and like impressive words. So we, we don't just play for speed. We're also playing to like impress each other. Oh, I love it. So yeah. You so ever it, like, uh, try, try and, uh, and make dirty words. Oh, all the time. Excellent. We have done, I, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but we've no, also please. done like themed bananagrams. <sighs> like we were listening to a book about Chernobyl together for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing, nothing sexier than that. When we were doing like projects around the house, we listened to a book called Midnight in Chernobyl, which we came to call just Chernobs. <laughs> <laughs> and we really enjoyed this book. 
like we were both riveted <laughs> okay, by it. Okay, sure. But anyway, after we finished watching it, we then played a number of Chernobyl-themed games of Bananagrams. Wow. Where you could have words like boom. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and like you could also use proper nouns like Legasov or Valeri or Boris or things like that. Sure. These are all things I know about, too. Or boron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um, spent rods. Spent rods, which that one also works for the for the like sexy run. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, great. That I think that totally answers uh, listener Audra's question. But okay. listener Audra, seriously, get in, get in touch. We want to know, like, how long have you been scoping out Molly's house? Yeah. What, okay. if, what if she's just been like, uh, like, you know, used to used to like, you know, get out her binoculars mm-hmm. and like, you know, while you lived there. Yeah. Do you know which room was my bedroom? Do you? Yeah. Molly, do you have a now but wow? I do. So, you know, I tried to look up what episode it was that I mentioned Carl Phillips, the poet Carl Phillips in my now but wow. I mentioned his book, uh, My Trade is Mystery, which is a book about writing. That was a previous now but wow. But Carl Phillips is my now but wow again this week because he recently, as in back in May, uh, we're recording this in May. He won the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. And that's a pretty big prize. It's a pretty I big think. prize. Uh, so, yeah, Carl Phillips won the 2023 Pulitzer Prize for poetry. Uh, so well deserved. The collection he won for is called Then the War. And I was able to reserve a copy of it through Seattle Public Library. And uh, I'm just I mean, his poetry is really it's it, it's it's challenging. I feel like I've had to teach myself how to read it. OK. And uh, I'm just, yeah, it, it's so, it is so well-deserved. I'm thrilled for him. So check out his collection, Then the War. Um, yeah, since you haven't read it yet, you can't answer my question, but I'll come back to you on this, which is, Then the War what? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a zinger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, take that, prize-winning poet. Mm. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly has a has a lovely newsletter called uh, I've Got a Feeling. Indeed. Yes. That, uh, you can get to at mollyweisenberg.substack.com or just like, you know, hang out, out outside the house where she used to live in uh, Oklahoma City mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. like put a put a note in the mailbox. Yeah. And it'll be like that uh, <laughs> that movie, The Lake House. Oh, was that the one where somebody's angrily chopping wood? I haven't actually seen it. I just know it's like a sort of like time travel romance with uh, Keanu and Oh, that's a uh, different movie Sandra then. I'm, I'm thinking of, You're I think, like Amity, Amityville Horror or something yeah, like that. Very different. Uh, I'm also thinking of The Watcher. Did you see that show? No, you would not no, have watched that show. No, it sounds show. scary. Like Naomi Watts and that Naomi other guy. Naomi Watts, sure. Okay. Uh, you can rate and review. <laughs> Naomi Watts and that other guy, yeah. Uh, you, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. People people turn to us. You can see why people turn to us for entertainment news. Yep. Like, they, they, used, to, <laughs> they used to stick to the obituaries for that, but now they come to us. Because, well, because the obituaries are a much more reliable source of health news. Exactly. Yeah. Please, yeah, rate and review us. Uh, hang out with other Spilled Milk listeners at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. And until next time, uh, thanks for listening to Spilled Milk. Tune in next week when the pizza rolls will have almost started to cool. (laughs) I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Amsterburton. finally made it into Encyclopedia Britannica. I was hoping we finally made it into Wikipedia because we've we've been such dutiful patrons. We've been such dutifuls. Dutifuls. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm mentioned in Wikipedia, or at least I was at one point on the lard page. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I wonder if you're still there. Oh no. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 